everybody and welcome to the EC Method. I am one of your coaches, Chloe Maidley. And I am your other coach, Emma Story Gordon. Our goal at the EC Method is to encourage, educate and empower you to get the results that you've always wanted. Listen to our weekly podcasts, go to our website, theecmethod.co.uk or simply follow us on Instagram to get more information. Um, I think we should just kick off by saying we weren't aware. I thought you were showing everyone your top. I was like, no, not really. You're like, um, we are aware that we were still live on the last live when we thought we weren't live. And we're very, very relieved that we weren't having a, <laughs> a rant about anyone that you guys would know. So. <laughs> yeah, that was risque. That's lucky. Because normally we finish and I'm like, anyway, did you hear about <laughs> Yeah. All like personal life stuff that probably don't, people don't need to know. Well, I mean, you don't share your personal life. I mean, I don't have anything left to share at this point. <laughs> yeah. Well. How, how was your bank holiday weekend? It was weird. Like okay. it was, because it wasn't like, I mean, it wasn't an enjoyable bank holiday weekend, was it? Or it kind of like had obviously somber tones to it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I don't know I found it other than like w- watching through the eyes of the family which I felt really sad about and really sad for you know I'm, I'm sure we can all relate um I felt like as a nation a nation I felt really proud of us I said to James so many times I was like god people around the world are watching and either thinking my god this country are fucking nuts like what is wrong with them or thinking oh my god how amazing is that country like the amount like being in London I said this on my Instagram post last night the amount of respect and like love and and I mean stoicism it was it was was so impressive and I think there was a real element of celebration to it you know she was she wasn't young She, she lived a long life and she didn't live a boring life I just found the whole thing honestly like incredible and I also just feel like quite privileged to be a part of or to have witnessed this such a part of history in real time it's amazing yeah that queue was incredible and I think exactly what you said like I think people around the world will probably think both of those things at the same time <laughs> like this is pretty mental but also wow like when British people love something they'll <laughs> literally stand for 24 hours so because like also because I'm a royalist so I know quite a bit about the royal family and I've watched loads of documentaries and obviously what when the queen when it was announced that she passed I watched loads of documentaries on it and I was so again proud and touched that our country hasn't kind of grown past that and I I also said this in my post I know that I understand totally why people are anti-monarchy it makes all the sense in the world to me so I'm always like yeah fair play like the argument is completely just but I'm like even even they or that bracket you have to be pretty I don't know cold or ignorant not to feel a sense of pride at the way that we were we're able to kind of come together and have such like a character and a history as and a culture as a nation I just was really I don't know I just thought it was really cool I I think I agree it's quite kind of a hard thing to be able to feel all these things at one time but like I was both 
like mega proud but also quite annoyed like for example all of the like sandwiches and things that were given out to people in the queue and it's like but there are people that really need this stuff all the time and like it's amazing that we can do that and it shouldn't necessarily be a false dichotomy of like you're doing this and not this and same with the amount of money that is like spent on I don't know what was spent on the funeral but like all of this Mm. when we're in a cost of living crisis and when there are people who are really in need yeah but then does that mean if you're you know like it is quite a black and white thing like that money could have been spent on this and it's like okay well could we have done both or should we be trying to do both as opposed to just being yeah so black and white Mm. about it but it is it's hard to kind of hold those two things at the same time I completely agree and I think all all arguments are valid I think also though I think a lot of people a lot of people do also forget that the royal family do generate a lot of money themselves and then they generate a lot of money for our economy and if you look at the if you look at the kind of economical breakdown they generate more money than they spend and and so I think that that has to be remembered but I do completely agree when we're in a cost of living crisis looking at that kind of thing and being like um hello makes total fucking sense and I did I did think that quite a few times and even like I told I think we touched on this when I was pregnant like the amount of money it costs just to get ready for a baby and the amount of anxiety that I started to feel not only for myself and obviously because we're moving and it's, it's a very expensive period of time which I know I've talked about but for the amount of women who don't have any help who are doing it on their own who are working a nine-to-five and they're on minimum wage and I mean and I've gone to the baby bank two or three times since having Bodie. And I'm just like unloading stuff because obviously then everyone sends you stuff to say congratulations, you don't need all this stuff. And, it, and I do I do think that for those, you know, brackets of people watching that would have been like, I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills this winter. Um, but, you know, and like I say, the other arguments are valid too. But again, just in terms of our character and our history, I was like, I just felt intensely proud of us, really. Uh-huh. Yeah, it did make me proud to be British. And I do think the whole thing of, you know, the saying like money doesn't buy happiness, but it, you know what? It really does buy peace of mind. Of and course. I think you can't even, yeah, you can't comprehend if that's taking up so much of your brain energy that you're like, I don't know if I will be able to pay my bills or, you know, put food on the table until the end of the week kind of thing. Like if that is actually taking up that much of your headspace, there's no way that you can truly be happy. Yeah. There's so much else going on. So I think in that in that sense, like it probably does buy the ability to feel happy and stress. I completely agree. I remember when being eight or nine, when my parents started making enough money that they didn't worry all day, every day about money. I remember it was Christmas going going doing a Christmas shop with my dad. I think I was about eight. And I remember it got to the end and he paid the bill and he looked at me. And I don't know whether this is appropriate, given that I was so young, but I've always remembered it. And he went god it feels so good to pay for something and not not feel worried like not feel panicked and I that was the first time that I realized what like comfortable meant like we're comfortable like as in we don't have to worry if we get a big bill and I was just like yeah I mean it is and again as someone who has watched their savings completely deteriorate in the last year um it absolutely buys the freedom to, as you say, Emma, allow yourself to feel happiness or joy. It's, yeah, true. Right, okay, should we get on some questions? Yeah, but we have one more bit of admin. Two bits of admin. Grads is opening today. 
Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, and- oh, actually, we've got a couple of bits of admin, don't we? So we are, I hope that we did confirm this. <laughs> we can always change our mind, but basically we are aware of obviously cost of living crisis and people being more aware of bills at the end of each month. So we are going to do a split payment option this round kind of to test it out and see if people want to use that option. Um, so there are now two options to sign up. You can pay monthly or you can pay in a one and grads will be open today. And then next week it will be open to the waiting list. And then a couple of days later, it will be open to everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will be fully coaching on the next round. So not the odd reply to tags, replies to tags, <laughs> blanket statement. Um, unless Emma gets there first, in which case I tend to just let her do her thing. Um, and every live, hopefully. Woohoo! Okay. Okay, great. Right. Um, Catherine, morning. Been a couple of months of maintenance slash slightly above maintenance due to HA, hypothalamic amenorrhea, for those who don't know. Is it ever okay to drop calories with a history of HA? And if so, what's the safest way to do so? Is it best to do a small deficit over a month or so instead of a bigger deficit over a week or two? Good question. And it depends on so many factors. Honestly, if you're in a healthy weight range, I would say for you, the cost of dieting outweighs the benefit of dieting, especially if you have a history of HA. Um, you could try a slow deficit and just be very aware and make sure that your stress levels are low and you're not ramping up energy expenditure. But usually HA is more to do with the total body fat that you have. Um, so yeah, if that gets low again, then that's the issue as opposed to how big the deficit is. It's more about the amount of body fat that you lose. I've spoken to Amelia about this a few times and there is some research that suggests that if you've previously had HA, you're more susceptible to it again, like potentially even at a higher um, body weight, because your body's kind of like, wow, you put us under this stress last time. We don't want that to happen again. So we're kind of reacting sooner than we would have previously. Um, so those are all things to consider. It's not to say you can never diet again, but just be like, I'm glad that you asked this question, that you're sensible about it and that you're like, actually, you know, is it worth doing? And I would say if you're in a healthy weight range, then potentially not. And if you do, do it carefully and slowly. Well, we can, can you read the very beginning part of that again? I've been, uh, sorry, been a couple of months at maintenance slash slightly above maintenance due to HA. Hmm. Is it ever okay to drop calories with a history of HA? Okay, so everything Emma said, obviously 100%, and obviously this is something Amelia is very familiar with, having gone through it herself. She has gone through it herself, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so great to reference that and draw on her knowledge too. Um, I would say, and it sounds like you are sure, um, you know, is this kind of a reaction of dieting, um, training? You know, it, there's so many reasons why, you know, you can lose your period. So, so, so many reasons. So, but it sounds like you're, you're here, you're asking the question and the answer is yes. In which case I would say a couple of months probably isn't long enough um, in terms of regaining body fat and kind of allowing your body to come back up to a, a hormonal homeostasis again it's probably not enough time I mean I personally if you were my client and it was and it's happened actually I have had clients this has happened to before 
I would probably pull you out of a deficit up into a surplus and then ride out maintenance for like up to a year, to be honest. Um, the second thing I, I agree with Emma, I think if you're going to, if, how lean are you? I mean, honestly, like exactly what Emma said, how lean are you? Um, and, and where are you at this point? We can talk about calories and reducing activity, but what about your body fat? So again, as Emma said, like we need to know that situation. Although even then, even if you've gained, you know, a good amount of body fat in these last two months, I don't think it's long enough to go back into a deficit. Yeah, I I actually agree with that. And I think because when you think about what's happening physiologically and estrogen levels rising again, like it's not just like bam overnight, they've risen. And actually like your your period of regaining your period is is one sign, but that doesn't necessarily mean that your estrogen levels are back up to optimal exactly just because you've gained three or four pounds of body fat that does not mean that the work is done internally so there's that and then I yeah agree I'll just end on the last point I completely agree with Emma on um absolutely going in really like a toe at a time like an inch at a time instead of diving straight in um is in like reducing your calories you know incrementally and increasing your activity um really marginally over a long period of time and monitoring your body so that you maybe can kind of take a different route as and again strong what amelia said and maybe avoid your body going oh okay we're doing it again bye and shutting down yeah Mm -hmm. okay next question vicky hi not a question but a thank you i asked a question last week about being stressed going on holiday and you both gave me great advice i'm currently still away and i've managed not to overthink my food i have just enjoyed every meal and definitely not overeaten Thank you again for your advice. It was so, so helpful. Well, you're welcome. Love that. Can Chan. Hi, lovelies. Me again. I've spoken to Chloe about this previously, but I'm getting some professional images together. Oh, no, wait. Have we done that? No, I haven't. When did I last? Oh, yeah, no, wait. I have done that. Here, we might top of the life. Oh, yeah, no, this is classic you. This is classic me on top of stuff. Um, Get your names wrong. I will not say your name right unless it's a really obvious name like Claire okay and we'll repeat questions that she's already answered well yeah but but that's because I think we've got through all of them what else can you hear Bodhi screaming in the background never knows what week we're on never oh yeah that's true I can never literally never know what week we're on (laughs) classic so it's like a range um okay um I don't know how far back to go I actually think we might have answered all of the questions on the live that's ever happened on the question post even is that uh, so should we jump onto the live and see ah sorry should we jump onto the live and see if there's any on there yeah there's um Lorna's saying I think it will certainly help with stretching our pennies re the next DC method um I'm genuinely well, actually here's one that I answered but I think you'll answer better so Ruth I'm coming to the end of my first trimester thank god and I wanted to know whether I should be changing my training moving into my second currently doing push-pull legs in the gym without any issues and still no bump to navigate yet yeah if you know um Ruth is that who asked the question yeah Ruth tag me on Facebook and I'll write out um things that that you need to change really at this point um 
if there's no bump management to work around, then you're fine in terms of obviously range of motion and mobility. There's no changes that need to be made there. So there's that. There will be changes in terms of you have to be conscious of not aiming for any kind of progressive overload or any kind of intense um, training. So you, you want to basically be in a period of maintaining where you're at. So you don't want to do any like, oh, I'm going to try and run an extra mile or I'm going to try and run that a minute faster this week or I'm going to try and lift 2 kg heavier. Um, or I'm going to add a set, or I'm going to add reps. You don't want to do anything like that. You want to be in, in a period of maintenance. But in terms of like what you can and can't do relifts, if your bump is allowing you to do it, you're absolutely fine. Um, as you get closer into, as you get deeper into the second trimester um, core work, there's a lot of um, pressure that as you start to show and as your, basically, as your belly starts to expand, your linear elbow will start to separate. Um, and, you know, people talk about... Um, um, diastasis or diastasis however you want to say it recti happening to a percentage of women it doesn't happen to all women your fucking body your abdominals have to move in order for your baby to grow it, it is what it is um, so as your as your belly starts to grow and you start to get bigger um, you are going to have to start to think about your intra-abdominal pressure and in and what you basically need to do is when you engage your tva and you engage your core and lifts think of it like um that you're about to be punched in the stomach it's your internal corset that you basically need to switch on and you need to use it to protect yourself and pull yourself together hold yourself together um, and that typically comes with breathing out turning your tv on pulling up your pelvic floor so honestly this sounds gross but i'm just going to say it think of it like pulling in a tampon sorry i'm really sorry <laughs> and then almost like pushing it down that's the feeling so you pull in your pelvic floor and then you turn on your tva with your corset like you're about to get punched in the stomach and it'll kind of feel like you're pulling it in and squashing it down i'm sorry i know it's gross right imagine that your, your clothes are about to kick you in the stomach so you're going to pull in your tampon so it doesn't fall out and then, yeah. and then yeah and then tense uh, but that really does help you need those aids to be able to learn how to do it um, so then you protect your pelvic floor, you're protecting your core, you're basically um, utilizing intra-abdominal pressure to protect yourself. Um, and that's how you have to perform your lifts. And that really is the kind of core work in terms of holds and pulses that you should be doing. You shouldn't be doing anything which is going to add to the pressure, like big sit-ups, big pulls on your core. It's going to really, really add to that separation and that pressure. Um, but again, this you will know when this when you need to start doing this because you will start to see your belly like getting bigger and bigger. And I don't just mean the oven. Anyone who's been pregnant knows that the oven shows before the bun does. Um, I don't mean that. I mean when you really start to see that you are with child, <laughs> not just bloated. Can you explain what the term bear down means? Can I explain what the term bear down means? Yeah, because that's what people always say, like, don't do exercises where you're bearing down. No, <laughs> I mean, what would you say? I don't, well, that's honestly, that's one of the things like whenever we're talking about pelvic floor strength and things like avoid exercises where you're bearing down. And to be honest, I never really know what people are saying when they say that. I don't know what I, I wouldn't know what to say. I would. What I would say is so think it to just to to learn what I'm saying, like visually to picture it. We've talked about this before in terms of um, when you brace and when a lot of people learn how to do squats and stuff. Now, first of all, if you're not lifting particularly heavy, like you're really not doing strength 
you don't need to brace number one we'd rather that well i don't I can't speak for emma but i would rather that you breathe through your squat two if you're going really heavy and you're really pushing yourself the idea of a brace is that you take a deep breath in you fill your whole core with air you kind of stabilize yourself in in that in that sense um do your squat and when you're at the top of your squat you then breathe out actually having been pregnant and having to have to switch this to what I'm saying, engaging your TVA, which happens when you breathe out, then you would do your squat, then you would breathe in at the end of the lift. It feels far safer in terms of your pelvic floor and your abdominal muscles. So I personally think regardless of pregnancy, everyone, especially women, but everyone should be lifting like that. Um, I found out. Okay, go on, explain it. So it's medically referred to as the Valsalva maneuver. This technique is most common is the most common way to stimulate the vagus nerve. The patient is instructed to bear down as if they were having a bowel movement. Yeah, so exactly, that's it. So that's the antithesis, really, of like what I would want anybody doing in a lift, especially a female, especially pregnant. Um, but that is the advice, yeah. Bearing down. So as if you're having a bowel movement, no, I don't want anyone doing that. No, no, no. That's what you shouldn't be doing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but that kind of is when you talk about the the brace position of a squat. Yeah, it kind of is. You're pushing like that, and that's what everyone's talking about when they brace. They feel take a big deep breath of air, so your diaphragm is full, and then you squat. Now, do that with me, Emma. Yeah, it relaxes your pelvic floor. It's the last thing that you should be doing. What, taking a breath in? Yeah. And when you breathe out, that's when you can engage your pelvic floor. Mm. This is all diet, diet, what's it called? Diaphragmatic breathing. Hmm. Sorry, I'm just getting distracted by poo. Um, <laughs> poo and tampon. So pelvic floor came up when I was doing some cancer research stuff the other week the other day and it it was a good reminder that you know it's not just women that need to work on this because I think it, it, it tends to be like a woman saying that oh well like women should work on their pelvic floor but actually it's really important for men as well yeah but, and especially because prostate cancer the rates of it increase massively as men age and in fact yeah. most men who get to a certain age will probably have prostate cancer whether it needs to be treated or not like a lot of the time the treatment is to sit and wait and watch and see if it grows or if it needs treatment but that does massively impact like urine urinary incontinence and like the ability to what's the medical term for erections what? that Erection, yeah yeah haven't yeah get rock hard guys get rock hard so guys <laughs> remember to do your pelvic floor exercises as well it's so true because I talked to my physio about it, Joe, and I'm seeing her again tomorrow. And she's like, I don't know why anybody's taught this. Like it is absolutely suboptimal re-core strength, core engagement and pelvic floor protection. And the reason that I say especially women is because a lot of women want to or have had children. So that's why they struggle a bit more with pelvic floor issues later in life. But Emma's completely right. Everybody, like absolutely everybody. And yeah, and again, I don't, I don't think that anyone also on the brace thing should be bracing unless they are going incredibly heavy. And even then, I would encourage people to try what I've just said, which is that it, it which is basically promoting the intra-abdominal pressure via diaphragmatic breathing, exhalation as opposed to inhalation. Okay, Lorna's here. Yay, Clamour. I've just realised I've been 
a donut re-giants. Been treating them as normal. So exercise, rest, etc. And then on to the oh, right, giant sets, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what's going on? And then on to the next exercise. So am I right that it's actually mixing the three exercises without a rest in between? This is what just clicked. And oh my God, game changer. Basically just want to double check. Yeah, a giant set is essentially a small circuit. Or, yeah. or a giant circuit, whatever, it's a circuit. So you do, yeah, one exercise after the other. And do, having done all the exercises for the given reps, that's one set. Then you have a little break, then you do them all again. It doesn't mean that like what you've been doing won't have had any benefits. Like you've still got the benefits from doing these exercises separately, but you'll probably enjoy it more and you'll get a good, good burn. Okay. Um... Oh, what's one piece of advice you can give to someone starting their weight loss journey? Oh, just one. One piece of advice starting a weight loss journey. Okay, don't at any point, beginning, middle, end, and every point in between, over fucking complicate it. It's actually a really simple equation. Energy balance, calories in, calories out will determine whether you lose body fat, maintain where you're at, or gain body fat. It's that simple. And that just basically means food, activity, result. That's it. I and thought so you were just going to say, don't. What? Don't. <laughs> Just fucking relax. No, but it's so true because I think that everyone along the way will get all in their own head about it. Like I remember when I first started lying in bed awake at night and being like, oh my God, what did I do? What box did I hit? Da, 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 da. And it's like, it's a really simple equation and consistency. Mm-hmm. Like, that's it. It's the, it's the energy balance equation followed by consistency and that's it. Yeah, I, I think like getting excited about where you can be in six months, not six weeks, is probably a good headspace to be in. Like you probably massively overestimate what you can do in six weeks, but also massively underestimate how different you can be in six months. And focusing on averages over time so that you're not stuck on this like on-off mentality. I think that's probably one of the biggest things that that trips people up on their fat loss journey. I um I somebody bastardized that quote the other day, Emma, and I meant to send it to you because I was like, is this the actual quote? Um, let me just have a little look here. Oh God, I really hope. No, I'll have to find it and, and post it what in the group. That people massively overestimate what they can do in a week and underestimate what they can do. Uh. In and someone basically just changed that that quote to suit their like post on Instagram, and I was like, I don't think that's the quote. <laughs> is that a james clear quote oh i think loads of people have said that no but who started it this really definitely wasn't james clear like he's pretty new somebody this is really eminos this really annoys me in our industry and it started with a coach in our industry who basically just started plagiarizing other people and like serving up as his content and i was like this is not your content you have to credit the person who came up with the great thing jesus I think a lot of people do, but then they're like most people are standing on the shoulders of giants. And I think James Clear, for example, would admit that. So he he would be like, this research isn't my own, but I'm sharing it because what I'm good at is translating this research on, I don't know, habits 
to actually ingestible information in a way that people understand it like that is what I'm uniquely good at these aren't his ideas I don't think he could ever say that they're his ideas I would like I just want to go to the source of the material yeah yeah but I guess when you think about science in particular the people that do the research are rarely good at communicating the research oh uh, no I know I know this is why I love Bill Campbell because I think he does the research he takes it he makes it so layman and digestible and like everything Emma you love a what's it called what do you love a graph yeah well yeah like a like a A diagram yeah diagram thank you Jesus um you love a diagram and he like does that like really simply like little cartoon figures and a cheeseburger like it's just like perfect so that's what people need Mm. yeah I agree but he's quite unique in his ability to do that and I think a lot of scientists which is fine like not everyone can be good at everything but a lot of scientists are really good at like the science but not good at the communication and some people are really good at the communication but not good at the science so they kind of like bridge that gap but you're right like people should say this is where this came from I don't think he's great conversationally when he came on my podcast he was like you just have to ask some questions and I'll talk otherwise like I he's like I don't really know what what to say and I was like yeah fine all I do is talk (laughs) I'll throw it at you. You you do the science stuff. Um, but yeah, you're right. I find that with techie people as well. Techie people are always really like they're not good conversationally. Like I find it quite awkward talking to them, but then they go away with everything you say and they build, they do what you ask them to do, and it always look it's fucking phenomenal. Mm. Agree. Okay, Kanchan. People like to appear more intelligent than they actually are and are scared to provide their source. Yeah, that's often true. Although I think it, it almost adds. It's like I read this in this book, which I thought was an amazing idea, and I've applied yeah. it to this scenario, which is a different scenario. I also, I agree with Kanchan. I think a lot of people in our industry are way too scared to be like, oh God, I don't know. Let me go away and, figure, and research that on all of the areas that I know, you know, are reliable um, scientific literature. Again, put it all in layman's terms for you, come back to you as the client and tell you. And I feel like one thing that Emma and I are really good with is we'll be like, oh, I'm actually not sure. We'll try and answer it. And then we'll be like, but actually, I don't really know that, that much about it. Sorry. Yeah. But I think also a lot of people are really scared to do that. So they'll just like say an answer. Who was it? Oh, yeah. Someone recently. No, not recently. Kept refer- Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to go down that road. Oh, great story, Chloe. <laughs> Sorry. Move on. Next question. Can Chance just saying this techie person feels really triggered? Yeah, Kanchan always says that she's socially awkward. And I'm like, I don't think you are. Well, you've never met her. But I mean, that's true. I have, and she isn't. So there you go. I mean, she always, but I just mean in terms of like, she obviously got a banging social life. She's a mother. I mean, well, I don't know why that would make you. Know? When you're a mom, you can't just, You have well, to communicate with kids. I mean, I don't know what I'm going to talk to Bodhi about when she's three. I'll be like, so, this is awkward. <laughs> god you don't have much chat do you i do it now like i sit there like i try to do that mum thing where you like talk and i'm like ah you're a baby like what am i meant to say to you um kerry's just saying doesn't it all come from ancient greek philosophy anyway yeah probably yes it does or like folklore like the arabian nights it's like it's like everything's already been every point's already been made about humanity we're just rebranding it true um okay what else do we have here we're gonna run out of so like we're just gonna end up talking complete smack because we've run out of questions uh yeah most likely 
does weight training also improve cardio or is it best to train both yes and no if you're talking about your big compound lifts like we've, we've done yeah like squats deadlifts like walking weighted lunges oh um then i actually find romanian deadlifts especially i don't know why then yeah of course you can increase your fitness um and your kind of cardio specifically sorry your cardiovascular fitness um in terms of like real real kind of adaptation and training zones no not not really um they are two separate things so the answer is yes and no <laughs> yeah i think it, it, a lot of the time it comes back to specificity like what is your goal because the training that's right for your goal will depend on what your goal is like if your goal is health then yeah you should absolutely mix up some cardiovascular focused exercise with some weight training as well if your goal is solely to lose body fat then technically no you don't have to do any cardio might it still benefit you yeah potentially if your goal is I want to be the strongest person I possibly can be then you probably don't want to do that much cardio but it really depends on the outcome that you're looking for um but interestingly yes in that both will will increase your cardiovascular health like even if you do no cardio specific exercise but you start resistance training then yes you will improve your cardiovascular health um can Chanson, can we talk about our mythical meetup oh yeah we're working we're back? yeah no we're working on it just yeah, yeah. It's, been, it's been a long bank holiday weekend and before that it was yeah just we're working on it but yes we're hoping ball is in motion the ball is in motion. We're hoping early December. Woo! I'm excited. Right. Okay. Um, fancy. I just want to be clear. It will not be fancy. Oh. Well, it won't be, will it? I don't want people to think. Yeah, that... well, we're going to be like. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's not like. I just. I don't no, know. it's not going to be fancy. It's not going to be a ball. That's what I mean. Like, should I dress up? Like, no. Everyone can look at Oh yeah, big onesies. That's literally how I dress on a day-to-day basis anyway. Okay. Um <laughs> right. I lost a lot of weight quickly and regained some. What is the long-term effects on my metabolism? So that's interesting. So your metabolism is is constantly in flux depending on on what you're doing in terms of energy balance. Um so if you're if you're basically uh, yo-yo dieting, it, it's not great for you um, to be totally honest with you. But it's basically it's just your body uh, image or results are just going to be a reflection of the fact that you're yo-yo dieting. What you what we should probably try and do is get you into a period of maintenance that you're really happy with, that you can be really consistent with in terms of again your food intake, calories. Um, your expenditure so your activity levels get you into a really nice pattern with that because I think psychologically it can be quite damaging um, having that kind of relationship with food that on off uh, and exercise and your body you know I like my body I hate my body and you get back and forth we go I think it can be really quite damaging so getting into a nice period of maintenance um, and then kind of yeah iterating from there and being like okay if you want to lose a bit of weight why don't we shave off 
little bit of, of, of uh, food intake or why don't we increase a little bit of expenditure? What do you want to do? What are you happy with? Emma just referenced cardio. A lot of people, you know, it's like the favorite new thing on, it's not new, like last couple of years on Instagram, like you don't have to do cardio. You don't, yeah, you don't have to do cardio, but it's still a tool. If you would rather do half an hour of extra cardio than, you know, take off a hundred calories. Well, why don't we? Let's just do that. Um, and we'd go from there. Um, but in terms of your metabolism, it's just the it's just going to be in flux in a reflection of what you're doing. So I wouldn't overthink that. Yeah, I don't. So the way that I'm reading this is more that she thinks that maybe she's damaged her metabolism by losing weight quickly. So that, yeah, like I was saying, that that won't have happened. What may happen is if you've lost a lot of weight and this really doesn't have anything I guess I was going to say it doesn't have anything to do with the time span in which you lost the weight. But if we take into account that if you lose weight very quickly, you maybe put yourself at a higher risk of losing more muscle mass as well, which may mean that you do have a slightly lower metabolism, although it's probably not a huge difference. But if you lost a lot of weight, there may be a small amount of metabolic adaptation. But if you then have regained some of the weight, then your metabolism would technically increase again. So I wouldn't overthink it. And when people hear this, I think they almost like to think that it's a, a large impact because that might be the reason that it's now harder to lose weight as an example, potentially. But usually when you look at even quite large metabolic adaptation, it's accounting for like 80 to 100 calories a day. It's certainly not why you're not losing weight on 1500 calories at, I don't know, 80 kilograms doing 10,000 steps or something. We've talked about metabolic adaptation is a thing. Let, let's just be totally clear here. It is a thing, but it's been completely and utterly bastardized, twisted and put out there as something that it's not. Um, so why don't we just quickly touch on metabolic adaptation? So yes, when you lose a lot of weight, whether it's from fat or muscle mass, when you lose a lot of weight, you your metabolism isn't as what's the word you would use Emma it's not as high yeah high it's not as, it's not as vigorous that was the word I was going to use <laughs> as it was because you're now a smaller person so what this means is you need less to maintain your current state than you did before so it's a success of losing weight or losing body fat it's a success that your metabolic rate will adapt and will decrease it's a positive thing as Emma said, if you then decide to yo-yo diet and regain all the weight, you're going to regain all the weight, but your metabolism now, what your maintenance would be, is going to come up because you've regained weight. So it's a positive ramification of dieting, not a negative one. Um, and again, Emma and I have, to have had to explain this to clients multiple times over the last few years. It's not because you dropped your calories or increased your activity. It's because you lost weight. It's because you lost mass. So it's not about like, oh, I adapted to being on a thousand calories. No, you didn't. That's not what that's not what metabolic adaptation is. It's your body now needs less to maintain its current state than it would if you were two stone heavier, obviously. Um, so that's why, you know, we're basically saying like, no, it, your fluctuating weight, your fluctuating body image is a direct um kind of response or or image that reflects your energy balance over the course of the last few months it's that simple like don't get in your head about it yeah I think just a thing to remember as well is that your what we're talking about when we say metabolism is technically like your resting metabolic rate 
and that is most largely defined or defined uh we're doing so well today no words i can't think the biggest predictor of your basal metabolic rate or your resting metabolic rate is how much mass that you have so obviously as chloe's saying as you become a smaller person you need less calories to maintain that weight that's why when we set your calories we're like what's your weight because we need to know roughly how much you're expending and actually knowing your weight or your total mass tells us roughly how much you'll be expending now on top of that there is and this is where people um maybe overcomplicate things or this is where like quote unquote metabolic damage comes in there is in some people an added reduction in metabolic rate known as adaptive thermogenesis but what's so important to know about this is the magnitude of effect Mm -hmm. And also the fact that if you then put that weight back on, it's not the same. So a lot of people are like, oh, you know, because I've previously dieted, I think that I'm not going to be able to diet on the calories I dieted on before or something like that doesn't happen, especially if you've regained the weight and then mean that your um, total daily energy expenditure will have increased again as well, or at least your metabolic rate component of that. But there is a, a small impact. So if you have dieted from let's say 100 kilograms down to 60 kilograms, you will probably have a slightly lower metabolic rate than someone else who was just always around 60 kilograms. But you're looking at, like I said, sort of 80 to 100 calories a day, not a massive impact. And actually, if you just increased your steps by a thousand calories, like, cool, you've accounted for that. Yeah, and a really nice take home from that is it's never a massive, like when you hear all these horror stories of, you know, I don't know, tracking inaccuracy or caloric availability or metabolic adaptation. I think people think of these as like huge amounts of calories that are now going to be affecting their body. No, no, no. It's, it's usually, it's usually a really tiny amount, which really isn't going to do anything either, which way. Um, if you come away, re-metabolic adaptation, if you come away from RMR and BMR and you start talking um, about, you know, all the different components of your metabolic rate, Again, you know, we've we've talked about this before, your non-exercise activity thermogenesis, which is part of your um, metabolic rate, um, is going to decrease um, if you are crash dieting, simply because you are not giving your body enough energy to basically get up and move around. So your body will try and reserve energy or conserve energy by sitting you down. That's why Emma and I give you step counts. Same with... um, your training that's why emma and i will basically make sure that you're doing a minimum of three sessions a week and uh make sure that you're training to a degree like we won't let you that's why we give you specific rest times specific sets and reps to stick to we won't let you basically have a bullshit session we're going to keep that energy expenditure up um and yeah again with tracking you know we're, we're trying very hard to keep to get some data around what you're consuming and with all of these data points that we're giving you we should be completely steering clear of metabolic adaptation. As Emma said, in terms of BMR, RMR, that can be affected. But again, that's a result of successful dieting because you're now a smaller person um, and it will flux either which way. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing I wanted to elaborate on that, because I think it was a really good point, is that energy balance is an equation. So there's two sides of it, right? And when you impact one side, the other side is often impacted which again is why we give you things like step count so it's less impacted before we had kind of the ability to track those things research would show that actually 
just from habitually kind of moving less without consciously knowing about it. Some people would move less to the tune of about 400 calories a day, mm-hmm. which is basically your full deficit. So you could be like, oh, I'm eating 1600 calories a day. I should be in a 500 calorie ish deficit on that, but I'm not losing any weight. And it's because you've moved so much less that actually you're not in a deficit. And that, I guess, like, you, I mean, I wouldn't call it metabolic adaptation, but it's like behavioral adaptation. Yeah. So that yeah. you're actually not losing. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and this is, we talk about that before people started tracking steps and their, their non-exercise activity. This is why a lot of people were quantifying their cardio per week. Um, you know, and, but, but I, and this is when I think metabolic damage as opposed to adaptation was the flag that people flew. Um, because they were noticing their results slow down um because with that decrease in just getting up and walking around as emma said you're talking 400 calories a day that is significant but again this is why we give you step counts we're we're trying to make sure all your bases are covered so none of you as long as you're doing what we tell you none of you should be worried about metabolic adaptation like well it's not quotation marks it's a real thing but yeah yeah and I think if you are someone, which happens to a lot of people who who is really trying to stick to stuff but isn't seeing results and they've been doing it for long enough that actually really at this point we should be seeing results, try and be really critical of yourself because this isn't like this isn't a judgmental zone. It's not us being like, well, you said you did this and you didn't do this. Like, it's actually so much easier to coach you if you're like, I actually think maybe I've underestimated my weekends or I actually think you know, on some days I just don't wear my Fitbit because I can't be bothered or, you know, whatever it is, it's so much easier to coach. And that doesn't necessarily mean that we'll then come back and be like, then don't go out on the weekend or then make sure you wear your Fitbit. It could, but it just gives us like, you know, a bit of scope to go, okay, so maybe we need to add in a little bit of cardio if you're not getting your steps those days to, to bump your energy expenditure up. Or maybe we need to just make sure that when you are having your day where you're not tracking, that you're still quite mindful of your food choices and that that's not undoing your hard work during the week where you have been creating that deficit. It's so much easier to coach like that when you're like, actually, I'm completely open. This is what I've been trying. It's obviously not working. Let's figure out together why it's not working. Because there is like, there is no way around energy balance ever. So it doesn't even matter if you're like, I've been sticking to 1200 calories and I weigh 200 pounds. Like you're obviously in a huge deficit there's no physiological way that can happen yeah I had I went for lunch with my friend the other day and there was a girl at the table and she basically looked at me and was like um I think I I, she she wanted to talk to me she was like I think I have like some I think I have um hypothyroidism yeah so I just wanted to make sure that I got the right one there um hypothyroidism because um I've been basically on a diet for two years and I just don't lose weight and I was like, well, what calories are you on? And she was like, 1,200. And I was like, oh, like, what do you say when it, like, it's a social lunch. It's a, and I was just like, oh, this is so awkward. And I, and I just said to her, like, do you have a PT? Do you have a nutritionist? Do you have anyone? She's like, yeah, yeah. I was like, what is your PT saying? And she's like, he wants me to increase my calories. I was like, just do what he says. She was like, no. She was like, I follow you. Like, I know energy balance. Like, I don't want to, I'm just going to gain weight. And I was like, just do what he says (laughs) you don't want to turn around and we don't want to do it to you guys and be like you're not you're not sticking to it and you don't you might not be aware of it you might not have any idea that you're not sticking to it but you're not so Mm -hmm. it's really really tricky so this is why emma and i say let's increase 
increase, just do what we say, increase your calories and get some consistency, even if you, you don't lose weight. That's fine, totally fine. We need the consistency before we then have a jumping off board. We need something to jump from and that's it. It is interesting that people prefer to believe that they're needing to reset their metabolism by increasing their calories than actually being totally honest with themselves when, when you're like actually the way that increasing your calories works for fat loss is because you can actually stick to them because it's not sustainable to do what you're doing at the moment proof in the fact that you're not getting results doing what you're doing I mean the best thing to do is just start sentences with well the data shows that so then you take all the sting out of it but you know statistically you know you're not sticking to it like but also, yeah, that's another thing, just back on the neat thing, just while we're talking about this as well. I think a lot of people still, although this is obviously is changing a lot, especially in our echo changer, still think that they just need to deal with the diet side of things. You also have to deal with the activity side of things that applies to both physique results and also health as well. But I will say there's just as many people who think the opposite. Like I'll have DMs from people who are like, hey I'm really struggling with fat loss and I'm like okay tell me what you're doing at the moment and they're like I'm going to the gym four times a week and I'm like what about your diet and they're like yeah I'm eating healthy but I like I'm going to the gym I'm like but what about your diet and then I'm like well you kind of need to think about that as well and I think there are people that still think just going to the gym will help them lose weight and oh it's my god all like, of it, right? I, like I hate to sound awful but like it's typically middle-aged women and older because this is what they were taught in the days of What's her name? What's her name? Who is the health and fitness? My mom used to do her videos in the living room. When VH. Oh, yeah, her. What's her name? Come I on. don't freaking know. I don't know what's name, do I? Oh, fuck. This is going to piss me off. Wait, someone will comment. So, um, taught, yeah, they were taught that basically all you had to do was exercise. You need to exercise. You need to ex exercise. is fantastic. But, uh, Jane Fonda. Thank no, the British version. Oh come on the british version of jane fonda guys come on um and by the way jane fonda's body that's Stop. largely genetic i would just like to throw that out there like that is largely genetic that's uh, so typical like anyone in great shape no nah, it must be genetic no 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 no, no, no probably no. on steroids this is this is a tiny tiny petite little woman okay i'm sorry i can't diet and train myself to have a tiny tiny petite little body it's not no, you're not gonna get small you're not gonna like that's what i mean no, but that's what I mean. I think people look at it and they're like, oh, all I need to do is that an, into a Jane Fonda body. That ain't fucking happening. I can't diet and train myself into an Ariana Grande body and I wouldn't want to, but like, it's not fucking happening, guys. Anyway, so moving away from is that. Is it a green goddess? No, I'm going to Google it. I'm going to Google it when I've stopped having my run. Um, exercise, exercise, exercise. So now these women go to gym classes and do the wrong exercise I mean which is adding insult to injury it's already not going to work but they go and do something like I don't know dance fitness or whatever which is great because you enjoy it and you love it but you're not going to get toned doing that you're just not <sighs> sorry I sound a bit hateful okay let me someone's saying Lizzie somebody no you're all useless you're all <laughs> utterly utterly useless let me find it you should all be ashamed of yourself right we do actually have a question jenny hey ladies i'm still not quite where i want to be this round with consistency as i've been as i have been previously but thanks for the advice as i'm trying not to beat myself up and just get the non-negotiables nailed also reminding myself where i've come from and the journey excellent 
Um, and <laughs> Tracy, is it Lizzie with the bum? No, but who is Lizzie with the bum? Hello. Call my mum. She'll be really unimpressed if I do. Yeah, call her on the line. Because <laughs> no, my mum's even more hateful than me, and she has maintained this image of being like this maternal, lovely woman in the UK. Like what? And I don't want to shatter it for people. So I'm just going to not call. She's amazing. But That's fair. No. We're so funny to call my mum as well because what she does is, well, this is what I imagine it looks like. She'll pick up the phone and just like not say anything, just silence. And then she'll yeah. be like, hello. And I'll be like, oh, hi, mums. Like, <laughs> Why don't you say hi when you answer the phone? She's like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I told you my friend's dad does that. He picks up the phone and I'm like, Hello. He's like, first. I'm like, Miriam there. He's like, Miriam. <laughs> Wait, what? Was this when you were like 10? Or is this oh, yeah, when... No, I know. No one has oh. a happy time now. <laughs> My friend used to have to pick up the phone and be like, hello, 01382, blah, 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 blah. The such and such residence. Why? <laughs> I don't know. Every time they answered the phone. Do you remember when answer phones on house phones were like those teeny tiny little tapes? And you felt like. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah just throwing that out there um this morning workout lady 80s <laughs> rosemary conley yes thank you you're welcome who said, who said that that was me yeah, that was you how did you find her? no i'm joking it was mandy smith mandy go on mandy go so on. Also, i went to her house when i was a little girl and the that is fuck off money that Oh, really? You know, you're talking like those like half a mile wide, one mile long driveways with like oak trees lining it until you get to some mega mansion, like a fountain outside. I remember being like, oh, this is not riches. <laughs> Mandy saying, I'm a genius. Yeah, you yeah. can have that one. One. Right, ready for the last question? Oh, I'm having so much fun. Well, you know, if you have more to say. I've what- had a lot of coffee. Huh? What do you keep sniffing? Oh, is coffee mad for you now? Because you didn't have it for ages. I mean, I, can you not tell? I'm like bouncing off the walls. It's like I've had speed. I've actually never had speed. I would like to say that's. <laughs> it's what I imagine would be like if, if I what had it. Like, this is a breast pad. I told you, right, that it's um, so bad for the environment having a baby. So I went and I bought reusable everything because I can't do it anymore. Like it makes me feel sick and I'm not like a green campaigner, but I can't do it. So I've got reusable breast pads. This is fresh out the dryer and it smells lovely. And oh. I've got, I've got, um, <laughs> C-section pants, paper pants. Are they, why are they paper? Because they're disposable, recyclable. Why don't you just get like big, like yeah, I got them too, but I don't like them. And these are specifically for people who've had a C-section. Oh, so they don't sit like on your scarf. Yeah. And um, and the next stop I'm doing this today is uh, reusable nappies. I can't keep doing the nappy thing either. Especially mm. if you've seen those images of the nappy mountains. No. How do you get like the the bulk? What what? <laughs> like the bulk of poo off before you put it in. You're not just gonna put like actual. What do you mean? Explain. No, don't explain what you're asking and I will answer it if I can. I feel like it's not a stupid question. But like, say, if the baby poos, right, you're not just going to put the full thing in the washing machine, are you? Oh, yeah. No, I didn't think of that. You probably have to take it out. Yeah, you'll probably have to, like, scoop that out into the bin. 
Yeah, but also baby poo at her age, like it's literally just like. Yeah, yeah, you probably could with a new baby. I mean, that when she gets onto like actual like solids and stools, I think I'm going to have a. I don't know. I mean, who knows? <laughs> Emma is asking the questions we all want to know re- reusable nappies. Oh, Tracy's saying nappy liners. Have you looked at that? No, but I will. I imagine they're. Do they defeat the purpose a little bit? I don't know. I don't know what they are. I need to look at it. I don't know, guys. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I've never had a baby. <laughs> well, obviously, don't worry, because I'm here. Um, okay, here's a question. Chloe, do you think the world of famous online trainers has now taken away from their core value of building healthier habits and just shooting it off in a book? No hate, but I've seen a massive shift in this area. Also, I, I have your book. Or maybe that's meant to say, I gave your book to my neighbour and she loved it. Wait, do you think the world of famous online trainers has now taken away from their core value of building healthier habits and just shooting it off in a book? I don't understand the question. Do you? Can you translate not, for me? Uh, not 100%, but I actually think... So this is something I do a lot with the coaches that I mentor on AFM, like starting with their core business values. And actually that kind of defines what success is for you. And Chloe, I know that one of yours is like big impact, right? And one of the best ways to impact a lot of people is via a book because it's more accessible than say coaching, which yeah, sure, you're going to get a better service with coaching or you're going to get a more personalized service with coaching. But if you wanted to impact the most people, you can probably do that more feasibly with a product like a book. I don't actually know if that's the question you were asking, but ask, ask it one more time, and I'll and I'll do my best to answer it. What me or Kanchan? No, ask the question one more time. Right. Do you think the world of famous online trainers has now taken away from their core value of building healthier habits and just shooting it off in a book? No hate, but I've seen a massive shift in this area. I mean, I can't. Has she has she replied under it to to kind of clarify exactly what she's asking? No, not yet. I imagine she's typing right now. Yeah, I imagine she is. So I I presume she's saying that being oh okay, so being okay, big, wait wait wait. So okay. they're not actually coaching. They've monetized via social media and grown their following, but as a common person on the ground, it feels like they've sold out. Yeah. Okay. Who so, are you talking about? Do we do we know who she's talking about? Is it the same person we talk about? Yeah. It must be. Yeah. It must be. Okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> this is what I will say. I think that what's interesting is you've done the exact opposite. Yeah, I know. Okay, so I th- I think that hopefully when you get into the the industry of or you know into the the job of 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 coaching of personal training you know the first thing that you should look for as a client and as an audience member is did this person take time out of their life and their income to go away and get qualified and if they did that it doesn't mean that I'm being a stickler for qualifications which I kind of am but no one else has to be that's just my thing But I think what that shows about the coach or the person that they are passionate, that they want to be informed and that they want to be responsible with their client base, right? So that's the first thing I would look for personally. Um, 
And I think now there's a lot of online trainers, especially overseas, who actually aren't qualified in anything. They compete, let's say, in, in, in physique and in bikini and bodybuilding. They're good at it. And they very much are coaching from a platform of this work for me, so it'll work for you too. And that's just shit coaching because that's just not true. And it, <laughs> all you have to ever have is more than one client. To, well, just one client <laughs> to realize that's not fucking true. Um, so I think that's a problem. Two, yes, I do think that because of social media, it's lovely and wonderful in that everybody can get access to all of this amazing information all the time. Um, and I and I commend, you know, uh, trainers who are on there talking about form and talking about energy balance and everything that falls in between. Um, but yes, I do think that a lot of people have sold out um, just for the likes, just for the, the kind of I've got a million followers. How many fucking followers do you have by um, behaving badly? Um, behaving badly in terms of, of, of how they approach other trainers, of how they speak to their clients. We have a lot of people on the EC method who have come from big, big coaches out there's um, online coaching and have told us how awful these clients are being treated. It's horrible. Some of them never even speak to their client until the end when someone wins a prize, which is just fucking ridiculous and really depressing. Hello, I'm interrupting this episode to tell you that we cut a little bit here and also to go and sign up to the EC method. That also, sorry if the conversation doesn't flow exactly. Enjoy! And that's like, I mean, there will always be people trying to scam me on social media. And I think the answer to that is the the consumer be questioning more because, you know, social media is not going to change that quickly. So you've got to be more like questioning of these things. Yeah, exactly. So buying a gym plan off a Kardashian. I love the Kardashians. I'm obsessed with the Kardashians. I think they're brilliant to follow on Instagram. I know everything that's happening in their lives. I would never buy a gym plan off a Kardashian. <laughs> like, it would just never happen because that's not that's not what they're good at. That's not what they're there for. That's not that is a money-making exercise. And I just think I personally think it's obvious, but I think you're right, Emma. Maybe the only reason it's not to some people is they never ask themselves that question. Like no one's buying, you know, makeup products off me. <laughs> I clearly don't give a fuck about makeup. Yeah, fair. Or shampoo. <laughs> oh my god! The other day, I um, <laughs> I ran out of shampoo, so I had to use like the little ones that you get from hotels. And one of them, I was like, "Oh, this is obviously conditioner," but it was like <laughs> moisturizer. I've done that. I've done that. I'm like, oh my god. I was like moisturized my hair. Do you know what? It, weirdly, it went so dry. Oh, how ironic. Yeah. Oh, that irony. Anyway, wouldn't recommend that. Kerry's just saying, oh, you're still here. Just got back from the school run. Drama and drama club drop off. One mum is doing keto. A dad is fasting today. Aren't humans fascinating? <laughs> yep. I had this as well the other day with this girl who was telling me about the I can't lose weight on 1200 calories. It's also like, um, she was like, and I've tried every diet. I even went vegan for a while. And I was like, for fuck's sake. This is what I mean. We're in our echo chamber. So we think everybody, I, we, I, I genuinely forget. Like, I'm like, oh, I've done that content to death. And then it's like, there's still yeah. a lot of people who need to hear that content. Do it again. I actually think going vegan now will probably make most people put on weight because there's so much like Shit, vegan product. Yeah, yeah, because you can have everything that a meat eater has, but the vegan version. But you're not getting in as much protein, so you're probably going to be hungrier. And yeah, and they're not particularly low calories either. 
I know it defeats a lot of the point of going vegan of the benefits sorry not the point mm. the yeah that episode you did with was it Lucy oh my god <laughs> but well, she she spoke quite a lot about that didn't she she used to say that like actually when you first when she first went vegan it was mostly vegetables and credit so- where credit is due she didn't want to do the podcast because she didn't want to promote veganism as a diet and I was like huh go you that was the first thing that made me kind of applaud her the second thing is how ridiculously beautiful that girl is you you know those people like I don't know where to look like that's her yeah I don't think I can make eye contact I was like I can't if someone's really really good looking I'm like oh I don't know what to do (laughs) it's so uncomfortable oh god yeah me too right on that note Okay, I'm really, guys, I just want to apologize. I've had a lot of coffee. I'm also very tired and I'm just talking a lot of shit today, but it was great fun for me. Cheers. <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs>